friends. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I am Angelica Yard. And I am Charisma O'Keefe. And we are coming to you once a week talking to you about entrepreneurship, owning small businesses, health, wealth, balance, and everything in between. And it's hot. <laughs> Florida. It is Not 80, here. It is 86 degrees outside. Um, we had a winter. Like, we kept, we kept having springish weather, but then it just got hot, so... That is where it's I am 57, right now. 57 degrees right now where I am. And everyone keeps telling me about how like, oh, spring is so great. And like, I'm not saying it's not beautiful, but it's very interesting because like you go find a tree and you're like, wow, this tree is beautiful. And then three days later, all the blooms have dropped off that tree. So I'm just like, wow, spring is like very quick here. Um, so I feel like it's going to be summer before we know it, which it's funny too, because people are like, oh, summer's really intense here. Like, it's really hot. And I'm like, guys, I'm from Florida. Like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be fine with summer up here. Um, And obviously, we've traveled during summer before. So it's like, I know it gets hot in other places. But it's like, unless you're directly, like, right in, like, the city, city, city part, it's really not. And, like, honestly, I don't even feel like with D.C., you have more water. Like, you're surrounded by, like, water and stuff like that. Like, you have more of a breeze. Whereas, like, New York that's different because the buildings are so high so it just does get very like swampy there um but yeah i feel like outside of new york it's it's fine like it's you know summer's not going to be that serious although watch i'm saying that now and watch because of global warming it's going to be like you know 90 degrees here it's gonna be 102 um (laughs) no i mean it's been a little bit last week we didn't record i aged a whole year you know you did. You had a birthday, which I I'm like, you normally like don't even acknowledge your birthday. So I was really like, very I mean, happy I, I you. personally did not acknowledge it. You at least dealt with me posting and your sister posted. Like, you dealt with people posting about it. So I thank you for that because normally you're just like, listen. And it also, it really like your birthday. It's funny because your birthday was like the first you know, COVID event. Yeah, I, I was last the first. Year. I was the first pandemic birthday of all the people yeah. that I knew. Yeah. Uh, so, like, John, technically, his birthday was like as we were going into lockdown. Yeah. And it's like a lot of people weren't already in it yet. Um, we were kind of in it. I think the last time we went outside was like two days before because we went to go pick up Valkyrie. Um, so, but it's like I remember we went to go pick her up, and like you know, nobody had gloves. Like people were still going out and about. Like it was not there was no protocols. It was just whatever. Um, so his birthday was weird, but your birthday was the first one where we were like doing pandemic type style birthday things. And I remember we put a video together. Well, David put a video together, and I remember being like, "Oh my god, I have to like record myself. This is like." And now it's just like very people do that all the time and people do Zoom birthdays and all these different things. So it's it's wild because it just really drove home the point that like we've been doing this fully, fully for a year. Like I really thought we'd be celebrating this birthday of yours on the outside. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it is what it is. I'm like, I was I had a, a, a day. It was Easter. I don't, I don't care about Easter, but it could be you guys who do. Like, shout out to you, Easter egg enthusiasts and church going. Apparently, everybody had to go to church in Orlando, so we will have a, another um, spike in cases starting this week. Oh, I forgot um, about that, that people, like, went to church on I Easter. I didn't, same. Um, mm, <laughs> until I drove around, yeah. like, wow, there are a lot of people in our town. That, like, and I live on a main street near the Catholic church in our town. 
this is kind of where people go to to get to the church. And so we we typically get a, a bunch of traffic Sunday, but I mean Sunday at sunup because they do sunrise service. It was literally like nonstop traffic, and it just made me feel like okay, it's not going to be safe to be around humans until we get things in order. But it is. Yeah, what so I think. we usually eat Indian food at Saffron on Easter. Um, and we were not able to do that. And that was very sad, but cause, cause we don't live there. Um, but yeah, we didn't even really do much of anything cause my family was supposed to come in, but my brother has cluster headaches, um, which ended up being for the best because I, like I got my second shot, like it'll be two weeks ago tomorrow. Right. So this Saturday, the, uh, the, the 10th. Um, so that's really when you have like your full immunity. Like a lot of people are getting their second shot and then being like, all right, time to go buck wild. And it's like, no, no, like you need to give it like the two weeks for it to actually like work properly. Um, so I was kind of hesitant, like my family, like, cause my mom is like going back to Orlando. So she was like, I want to come in and see her new place. But I was like, oh, I kind of don't really want anybody here because you know, I'm, I'm not at that. They're all full immunity already and John is, but I'm not. So they're going to visit this weekend instead, which is like much better for me because I'll actually be safe. So, um, yeah. And it's, it's weird. Cause it's like, I, I don't think people have been in my house since like, <laughs> since, you know, I, they've never been in this place. Uh, so it's weird. It's going to be weird having people in like our, you know, living room with us. Cause it's just so, so close quarters. Um, we've only seen people outside and from a distance. So it's going to be, it's going to be different. <laughs> It's a it's a day, but I mean, we really don't have much. I mean, it's just this business is going. I feel like as things open up, their demand for travel has increased. On our end, there's been um, more requests for people um, restarting nearby. I feel like sales have kind of picked up in some of the clients we've had. And I was talking to my friend about it earlier. Just like Q1 was a better for a lot of people in different industries than they thought they were. The forecasted for Q1 because we had such a you know bad. 2020 and so people are kind of doing a little bit better and so they're more willing to to spend money a little bit more on different services and then of course in the product space as people continue to go back to work or find new jobs they can obviously have income and then they'll be able to splurge a little bit more in that space and I think every um I feel like every company now where there's like at first it was just to me I only saw Afterpay but now there's Afterpay, PayPal, uh, another one that starts with a Z. There's like six companies I can think of off the top of my head that friends are using on their product businesses that do the four payment plan. And that's kind of become now the new norm in buying, you know, goods. And so that's also something I think that's going to help people in the e-commerce space is that having these payment plans that aren't really related to your credit and not affecting your credit, but also break things down for people to be able to buy goods that they may normally wouldn't feel like they could splurge on a little bit but it's a little easier to say i'm going to spend 16 dollars for four weeks then i'm going to spend you know whatever up front so it's, it's been interesting we i have after payments i haven't done any no one's chosen to after pay a four dollar card yet but if they do i wouldn't <laughs> be mad about do. it <laughs> you know it is i'm like it. i almost want to do it like on your site just so i can kind of like see what the pay a dollar is. for four no i've done it i had to to test it out and it's really funny. okay to pre- but okay, you cool. should do it because it's funny <laughs> i think it's just funny yeah. to pay a dollar for a card for, for three weeks you know it's just funny process well but. we were gonna do that because i really like wanted an organic mattress and we moved up here and it was yeah. like really expensive and we're like moving and you know having moving expenses and stuff 
And so I had actually ordered one and was going to like go that route. So I'd made the first payment to like, you know, ensure that we were going to get the mattress or whatever. But then um, like in the meantime, I was like, we obviously need to have a mattress because it, it takes so long for like those nicer mattresses to get to you. So I ordered a, a quick mattress off of Amazon um, that was like, I don't know, like $275 or something. So I ordered that and we fell in love with the bed and canceled the other mattress. <laughs> Isn't that wild? But hopefully somebody doesn't uh, do that with, the, with you know, whatever product it is. I mean, if they selling. cancel it, then it's like, they, I think they refund from the, the people. I don't think I, I, I don't know how it works. I mean, nobody, no one's done it, but let me know. Yeah. Again, but again, it's I'm for- like, for us, I think that people will go ahead and, and probably, they're not going to yeah. be like, I fell in love with a different card or I yeah. fell in love with a different I candle. They're going to the just, process. you can have more than one candle or, um, or card with a mattress. Really, you probably just need the one. Yeah. And I <laughs> like, think I'm you very the- extra as a person, but like, I don't need two mattresses. Yeah. And I think you can start the process. Of, like if you pay for like if you start the process and actually admit, like commit to the payment plan, but cancel yeah. it, well, then and you still get the you... product. Like yeah, like in my, on my end, I still have shipping. Like by the time you get that, yeah, because in exactly in those situations, you're already shipping it, so it's like at that point, it's you know, it's like a return or whatever. Whereas yeah. with this, I wasn't going to be getting the mattress for another twelve weeks, which mm-hmm. is why we bought the temporary in, in the yeah. first place. But yeah, but the process was easy, and I was like, this is great because you know normally whenever if we've made a move, we've had to, you know, just like buy everything outright. So it is just kind of nice to like, when you're spending so much money on other things, I was like, Oh, well, this will be kind of nice because we can spend this much, you know, now and this much next month and next, you know, the rest on the third month and, and be done that way. And it's not, again, like you said, it's not affecting people's credit and that sort of thing, because I know some people get like a credit card at a furniture store or something like that and just go ham and not realize like those interest rates are, you know, not great. And so it seems like it's great in the moment, but unless you're saving the money the whole time to like pay off, if you you wait until the credit card like actually comes due, you're going to be paying a lot more than what you would have originally paid for for said furniture. So I do like like that it, you know, it's like interest-free payments that are not affecting your credit. And even the, the errands model of like, I get I feel like it's a millennial thing. If you're younger than us, probably don't even know what an errands is. But the, the model of like rent to own furniture, you know, that was the thing. It's like, you can just pay a little bit and then you can own it at the end. But the, the interest was ridiculous. And additionally, you paid more interest than the furniture was worth. And a lot of times it was secondhand, third hand, because it had been rented and, and taken back. So it, it definitely, I think this new model kind of fixes that problem. Obviously, it's still capitalism. And at the end of the day, it's, it's probably some shady something <laughs> like I'm not always pro but I think it does give people an opportunity to get things that maybe they wanted to get maybe from that are organic or healthy like so deodorants that are organic you know two to four years ago they weren't in target you can get lone deodorant or native or equipped toothbrush you know things that we heard about they were all e-commerce and so now it's giving people the opportunity to be exposed to things that are a little bit cleaner and healthier for them. And then they still get to break up those payments and not have to worry about putting so much up front because it is a little bit more expensive to have cleaner products or nice products because they are usually more made to quality and handmade. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of my tip. If you have an e-commerce business, look into some of these people who are doing these. I know PayPal just started there. They've had one or whatever. They just emailed me about it. Um, an email from Amazon pay about something they're doing. So there's definitely the bigger box retailers are trying to get back into what they're doing. 
So definitely look into that if you have an e-commerce shop to give a different payment option. Because I think at the end of the day, you just want to be as flexible as possible and getting people the ability to pay for your products as well. So. Yes, so true. And especially because, you know, most people are doing things online at the moment. So, yeah, well, we are, you know, our guest today is super informative. Again, someone who offers a lot of insight into an industry that we really don't talk about. I think we may have had other, maybe one other food business entrepreneur who was also from Orlando on this, in this show. So it's kind of nice to have somebody else newer and kind of in the space now and, and dealt with the pandemic to tell us what they do. So uh, yeah, and I think that, out. you know, it's really interesting to have somebody that's in food and not necessarily a restaurant, because I think a lot of people, when they think of a food entrepreneur, uh, that's kind of where their mind goes. But there's really a whole world outside of, you know, just running a restaurant as well. Um, not that that's not super interesting, because it is. But if you are interested in, you know, because with food, it's it's also a product. So it kind of anyone that is product based um, is going to see a lot of their own business essentially in uh, a food-based, you know, uh, enterprise. So there's definitely a lot to, to learn. And I definitely learned a lot. And um, I definitely had to take notes for once, which I never, you know, you're the note taker. I never take notes, but I was like, oh, I need to look at that later. So. <laughs> so yes, feel free to listen. Uh, hit us up on Instagram at Heart Hustle Podcast, Twitter Heart Hustle Pod, use the hashtag Fosso Hard. And we will be here for, you know, until we're not like giving you the stuff that you need. You know, we're still working on some stuff for the summer. So continue to stick around and let us know how you like the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Heart Council Podcast. We're so excited today because we have Major here from Project Pop. Major is here located in Orlando. I heard about major before i actually got to meet her in person at a buttermilk bakery gang meetup um but i've always heard and everybody's like, i was like you need to meet her you need to meet her we finally got to meet and then i feel like i got like busy and then the pandemic hit and so our poor little buttermilk bakery gang hasn't been able to hang out in a couple of years a year really um for via virtually so major since you're here uh can you and introduce yourself to our audience and about your brand and your business and how long you've been doing your career yeah, hey everybody. So my name is Major, and I have been popping popcorn now for about, it feels like forever, but it's really only been about five or six years. I actually became like a legit business, I would say about three years ago, and I started Project Pop in a very interesting way. So I've worked in public relations for about 11 years now, and through that time, I've had the honor and utmost privilege of working with like some of the best chefs and restaurants like all over the country. So that really um, immersed me into the world of food in a way that I never thought was possible to the point where like, I not only care about like the way that food tastes, but the way that it's prepared, the people that grow it, how it's harvested and all those like nitpicky things that you normally don't think about, you know, uh, when you're just sitting down and like eating like your favorite dish at your favorite restaurant. Um, all of that is a, a big interest to me. So throughout my time um, as a publicist, working along chefs, opening restaurants, creating products, I really started to develop an affinity for um, the industry. And I was at a crossroads in my career, at least I thought I was. I have been working in PR maybe for three or four years, and I had this um, brilliant idea of joining the military. <laughs> so... Um, my family is uh, 
very military oriented. My father, my brother, brother-in-laws, uncles, everybody has been in the army or in some branch of military service. So I always had this like innate feeling that that was something that I should explore at least at some point in my life. And it was at that time, kind of like in that, I don't know, four year mark into my career that I thought, well, if I'm going to do it right now would be a great time. So I literally did everything. I went to a recruiter and I filled out the paperwork. And my last step was to go down to Tampa from Orlando, basically get like a medical evaluation. And then I would basically be like shipped out, you know, to go to basic training. And they had a bus set up for me. Um, here in Orlando, I think it was like a Friday, and I never got on the bus. So I thought, all right, if I'm not doing that, I need to figure out what's next for me in addition to my career. So I thought it would also be brilliant to go to grad school. So I um, I studied for the GMAT. Uh, I wanted to go back up north. I'm originally from New York. So I thought, let me go back up to New York. And, or at least in that region. So I applied for Boston University for their MBA program. And I had no idea how um, challenging it was to get into that program. I just found it and thought it sounded cool. So I was like, well, let's do it. Long story short, I was very disappointed because I did not get accepted into that program, which really, really, really burnt me. I thought, okay, grad school is not for me. It's a done deal. Well, what else are you going to do major? And, um, after asking myself that question, you know, nine, ten times, I kind of just like put it on the back burner and just thought, well, you clearly want to do something else. Um, I always had an itch for doing something in the entrepreneurial space, um, mainly I think because of just like my go-getter personality. And I grew up um, in a single parent home and my mom was a hairstylist my whole life. And it wasn't until I became an adult that I really realized that she was an entrepreneur. Like, I think when I grew up, we didn't really use terms like entrepreneur and business owner. It was just like, what do your parents do? Oh, my mom's a hairstylist. Oh, my, well, my dad's in the army. It, it wasn't, you know, so much career oriented or thinking about them like reporting to a boss like we do now. So um, taking a step back and just kind of like assessing um, my roots and the the things before me and the things people have done in my family, I started to realize that there were like some proclivities that were more so like in the entrepreneurial front as well as like food industry. So I found that my uncle and um, my grandmother, like a couple generations back, like owned a food store. And I thought, well, it'd be cool if I at least tried to explore something that's industry because I clearly love it. And it was in December of one year, many moons ago now, that um, a former employer of mine bought a um, popcorn machine for me. And I just loved it. I would make just different um, seasonings and come up with all these different snacks for my colleagues and I'd eat throughout the workday. And it was literally just for fun. But it was during that time where I started to get all these fun ideas. And um, one of them, it still is a popcorn idea that I might want to roll out at some point in the future. So I'm going to talk about it right now, but I came up with this like whole business plan. It was one sheet and I was telling people about it and I was, I was really, really interested in it, but I just thought like, how could I ever get this off the ground? So I, again, just put on the back burner. It kept going. And, um, I got that popcorn machine in December by March, no February. We used to go down, um, to an event called the South Beach wine food festival. 
um, in Miami on the beach. And it's like, we're like the best of the best chefs come and they cook up different meals, all types of dinners. And then they always have these like festivals where like, you know, um, all the different local restaurants and like these big, like restaurant and big food chain conglomerates typically come out and host all these big demos. And there was this, um, company, I don't remember what company it was anymore, but there is um, evidence on the internet, but I had this, um, they did a, a limbo contest and I won the limbo contest and I won a William Sonoma gift card and I decided to buy, um, a better popcorn machine. I bought a Whirly Pop, like stove top popcorn machine with that gift card. And I just started to make popcorn more. You know, I was experimenting more at home, but I never thought that I was actually going to start a business. So I think maybe a couple of months later, I had a friend of mine at that time. Um, I told her, I was like, hey, there's a Scoopreneur series at um, East End. I think we should do it. Like, I don't really know what kind of business we should do, but I think we should do it. So we sat around at her house and we kind of brainstormed and we thought, okay, bet, let's do soap. So we thought we were going to do soap. That didn't live long. We said, scratch that. Then we thought we were going to do juice. So we went to the first quiz. There's like basically like a three-part series. We went to the first part where they teach you like the ins and outs of like how to start a business, business plan, license, licensing that you need, all these different things. And we thought we were going to open up a juice bar. Well, when we started to look at like how much carrots and bulk cost and all that, it was astronomical. I was like, there's no way. Um, but I thought, well, we can at least still try and go through, you know, the second and third part of the course. Well, between the first course and the second course, she just like disappeared off the face of the earth. And I like haven't really never spoken to her again. Like she just kind of just, I don't know what happened. She just disappeared. She's still alive, of course, but um, we don't communicate anymore. So I thought, all right, well, I've got to come up with something else to do during this course because I'm already essentially like, you know, a quarter of a way through it. So we, um, we went clearly went our separate ways. And on the day of the second workshop, I used to live um, in downtown Winter Park. So anybody who lives in Orlando probably knows what I'm talking about, like right off of like Park Avenue. I locked myself out of my house by accident. So I walked from downtown Winter Park all the way to Eastern Market no, you did not. to go to this course. Why didn't I call someone? I don't know, but I walked. So I was like, all right, there's some sort of commitment that I have to this program. I was like, so let me just go. And I thought, well, because she's not here anymore, let me explore this whole popcorn thing and see what can happen. So um, I, in that second course, I ended up just kind of coming up with uh, Project Pop, came up with the name for it. I created a little logo and had a friend um, later on design some packaging, but I like created a website, some business cards. I did everything in a matter of like weeks. And we demoed at this, um, they had a demo day and it was like myself and a bunch of other business owners was there. And I, I made all these different types of popcorn, but the one that stuck is my OG kettle corn that I still make today. And it was such a hit that I kind of like canceled everything else and just started rolling with that. And then, you know, here we are today. So that's, that's the long story that I gave you guys. I love it actually. Like, and it really paints a picture, especially again, like you said, for those of us that, 
you know, have lived in the Orlando area. Uh, Cause that is a walk. That is commitment right there. Like that's how you should have known, okay, this, this business is going to make it. Cause uh, I, a lot of people would not even do that. <laughs> and it was a summer. So it was hot. It was hot. It was, I know, but yeah, I, I, I signed up for it. I needed, I needed to go. But luckily I called my brother and he picked me up and took me home. So that was, that was, that was the good part. I love the commitment. Also, shout out to uh, Buttermilk Bakery for bringing it all together because it is very delicious. It is. Uh, <laughs> it's so good. I miss it so much. Um, so I love that you've had this like long career journey, right? That's been varied um, that you have kind of then led into entrepreneurship. So what parts of your career journey do you think have helped you um, to lead, like lead you into starting Project Pop? Yeah, so when you work for an agency, like the types that I have, PR agencies in particular, you have to do a lot. Like It's not like a career where you get in and you kind of do one thing over and over and over again every day. It requires um, ambition, a go-getter, kind of like self-starter personality. And oddly enough, but I clearly think, you know, it was just meant to be, the agencies that I've worked for, they both have put me in positions that I had to lead, even when I wasn't ready and even when I felt like I didn't want to. You know, like I had to kind of like rise up to the occasion, go after clients, uh, promote the business, manage teams, handle financing, like do all these things that Again, you typically wouldn't find if you work for like a bigger corporation, right? And you might have like a very specific assigned role and support around you. It was rare that I, that it was rare to ever have that. So I always had to uh, multitask um, and figure out how to get things done, even when I didn't know how. And that is what I found to be a big part of business, even all these years. And there's still so much I have no idea about. And I'm always learning and always feeling like, in some ways, like, wow, how did I even get this far if I can't figure this thing out, you know? But it's the same way, you know, that it's the same thing I experienced at my previous employers where, um, you know, a project might have come on my plate. I had no idea how I was going to get it done. I was probably very nervous about it, but I had to troubleshoot, learn quickly on my feet, research and figure it out. And um, all of those things, I think, have really helped me kind of um, finesse my way through a lot of situations but also, you know, get through some big learning curves and growing pains by just sticking it out and, um, you know, calling on people just like I would if I was at my job. You know, I might not know everything, but I might be able to pull in a colleague and say, hey, I need help. In the same way now where if I don't know something, I'll call a fellow business owner who also works in a similar industry and be like, hey, how do you, how do, you do that? Or do you know anybody that does this? And we just, you know, we share a lot and we figure it out. No, I really I mean, love amazing. that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the community for aspect of everything, I think, really helps you thrive as an entrepreneur. And the fact that you are so willing to share and connect with people who are also sharing with you helps drive our abilities to to, to thrive as entrepreneurs. I don't think you can do it alone. I like, I also will say, like, I don't know how many people we've had on here before that have, like, been in the military, that have had, like, ties to the military, military family, but I know from, like, dating somebody in the military that, like, and who was in also in a military family that it's, like, 
there's just a determination there that I really feel like translates into entrepreneurship so well, right? Because it's like, I really feel like you push yourself to do things um, that you may have believed were impossible before when you're in the military. And that's a lot of what entrepreneur, like it's, you know, like you're really, you stack the odds against yourself and you just keep going forward. Um, sometimes when it doesn't make any sense and people would look at it and be like, why? Um, so I really love that you have that background because again, I don't, I don't think we've had a ton of people that have had uh, a military background in their family before um, and, and switched over, but it, it really does make sense. I think that a lot of people who uh, have been in the military should definitely consider entrepreneurship because I do think that they'd succeed. I agree. I tell my brother all the time, I'm like, you need to start a business. And he's like, ah, oh, that's not really for me. But I, I, you're 100% correct. Like, I think about, like, I've seen my mom just work really hard, and her tenacity is, like, unmatched in my eyes. It's the things that she's been able to accomplish. And then I look at my father, who was in the military for 24 years, and he's been on uh, multiple tours, you know, at war and going into other countries and having to do things that, you know, he probably still doesn't even like to talk about to this day because that was his job. But I still see him get up now and he goes to the gym every morning, works out, and he's still fit and in shape. And, you know, he always tells me, um, what does he say? He always says, leave from the front, you know, <laughs> leave from the front. And he's, he's been able to give me really interesting nuggets of, like, um, of advice over the years that have translated into my work. So, like, when I first started having to manage people, it was so hard for me because I'm such an empath. I love engaging with people. Um, and sometimes when you don't do that correctly, you can get taken advantage of in the workplace, right? Especially if you're dealing with people who aren't as um, understanding as you are. So they might take your kindness um, as a weakness and those types of things, right? So, and I've, oh my gosh, I've dealt with that. So um, my dad would always tell me, you know, Whenever you start a job or you start anything new, master the hardest thing. Figure out what is the hardest thing that I need to do to make my job work, for me to be great. Focus on that, and then everything else will be easy for you. So I've taken that into so many aspects of my life, whether it's you know the popcorn business or my marriage or friendships. It's like, what is the hardest thing here? You know, is it communication? Is it lack of marketing is it what whatever it is um, he's always advised me to like tackle that thing and then the rest of it might not be easy per se but it's going to be easier because you've already got that like big mountain out of the way so definitely that military life has, has paid off in more ways than one for sure no that is all very important because i think our relations like you said relationships are so important but being an empath it definitely affects you when you have those uh, negative situations, like that person who abandoned you on the second day of class, like you haven't really repaired the relationship. That could have caused you complete despair and, and want to quit, but I think your tenacity and just the drive that you have from your parents, seeing your parents just continue to do it, your family, the commitment that you have personally helped you continue to commit yourself to your company. And now it's a, it's, it, it's a, your baby, you know, it's your baby that's grown so much. So just making that choice of, I'm not going to let this miscommunication sure. between this person stop me from continuing to follow this path, wherever it may lead. Um, so Absolutely. switching gears a little bit, I was talking about this earlier before we started the call, but oftentimes if you're a fan of The Prophet or you watch Shark Tank, 
people, food entrepreneurs, product food product entrepreneurs specifically come on the shows oftentimes and they get rammed about how oversaturated the market is and there's so many different people. And I think I saw a meme today with like the different types of Uno. And they're like, oh, the market's oversaturated in the VC and you just show them all the shows. Like that, this is just what it is. Um, so what are some ways that you make Project Pop stand out? Yeah, so I love, love, love talking about this type of stuff because it is so easy to kind of like psych yourself out when you create something because somebody else has done it right. So if I were concerned about that, I would have never even popped a batch of popcorn because we've got Orville, we've got all these brands, right? Where it's like, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> You've already got big bosses out there in the world. But one thing that, um, well, a couple things that they don't have that I have and that I don't have that they have is their own story, right? So I've got my story that has really impacted and influenced really why I make popcorn and my drive really like outside of the whole like food for series, the core reason why I created this brand is because I ultimately wanted to create a snack that I felt good about feeding my nieces, right? So they were a big part of that driving factor about like why I hand select the ingredients that I choose to use in every batch, why we don't use preservatives, only organic ingredients, only um, ingredients that are vegan. You'll never look at the back of a bag and find an ingredient that you can't recognize, that you can't pronounce. Um, all of that is non-existent in, within this company. And, you know, when I think about other companies, a lot of them, they might have a completely different story, right? Like I have friends who started food companies and it was because they wanted to make a snack for their wife for Christmas and then all of a sudden it took off, right? Which is also a, a beautiful story. But my story and my the reason for me doing this business is very unique and it's different from somebody else's. I also love the fact that I'm a black woman. I think it is great. <laughs> and um, in different seasons of my life, it always hasn't felt great, but um, for me, I always have to reposition my mind to remember that um, my ethnicity and my background are assets in any room that I go in. So if I'm in a room filled with um, people that don't look anything like me, I come with a unique vantage point, unique experiences, um, an ability to um, kind of exist in multiple worlds comfortably that other people do not. So the fact that I come with um, so much rich culture and everything else that comes with, you know, my background, I consider that an asset, which is something totally different. And I bring that into my business. So I am not a person that will shy away from, um, you know, cultural terms or things that are interesting to me. I bring that to my business and I think that makes it relatable. And the fact that there's so much integrity for me personally with um, the ingredients and how we choose to source and make the popcorn, I think that that also translates. And I think people um, are attracted to the realness that's there. Like I don't really put on um, airs or a face when I'm talking to my customers, I'm honest with them. And uh, I think that goes a really long way. And I know that my popcorn isn't necessarily for everyone. I'm so good with that. A lot of other companies, because of their um, 
their desire to kind of like um, reach certain dollar amounts or, you know, they have their bottom line or whatever the case might be, they might have to bend and make certain adjustments to reach those goals. And my mission for this business is to put people in purpose over profits. So I will never sacrifice my life, my marriage, um, uh, exploit people, exploit uh, uh, businesses or anything like that to make money from this business. Because for me, I believe that this whole thing is a blessing and it is, I'm just here to steward over the business. And by me doing things just for profit, of course, we all got to make money, right? So clearly we're making money, but it's not, that's not my driving factor. Um, and in the day that it becomes that, it is the day that I kind of put myself in the rat race with other people. And I don't want to do that. You know, that's why I have no issue with like sharing, communicating with people, telling them my struggles, where I'm at with the business, because it's, it's my, I'm in my own lane. And I hope people stay in there so we can all just coexist on the highway together, you know? And um, so for me, I think all of that is, I think, why people are attracted to the business and the things that I feel that are great that differentiate us from other people because I'm not, unless, I don't know, I always tell my friends, unless God tells me or somebody comes to me and says, look, we got a business proposition for you and it makes complete sense to me and it's like, okay, I can see that working. I don't necessarily want to have this huge conglomerate business, right? Where we're like every store all over the place. Because to me, what that equals is a lot of manpower, a lot of stress, and like just the headache, right? Like it's just, I've had to really take a step back over the years and think, what kind of business do you want to have? Do you want to have this massive corporation or do you want to have more of a lifestyle brand where I can, you know, leave somewhere I'm at at three o'clock and go to my niece's volleyball game or still take vacations with my husband? You know, that that's what I desire more than, you know, making a bajillion dollars. Right. Like I want to enjoy the life that I've been given and be able to do that while still having a company. So, um, yeah, other people, I think their ambitions are different. And we could have the same exact recipe, but the brand is still not operated by major. And I have to consider myself an asset, and I always advocate, you know, for other people. Look at yourself as an asset. Even on your on your rough days, you're still an asset because you bring a unique um, positioning and vantage point that other people do not have. So um, I don't really honestly try to compare myself to any of any of the quote unquote competitors because once I start doing that I think it'll start playing with my brain and I'll psych myself out all the time you know being concerned about what else, what else other people are doing with their business yeah I think that like it's really easy when you first start out to kind of like have that mindset of like what is the person next to me doing mm-hmm. how much money are they making and I think that we're really taught like in America we're taught like to be the best right like you get awards if you're top of the class, if you're, you know, if you're winning, like we we just have like an obsession around that. And I too had to like, really like after being in business for a certain amount of time, think about, okay, like what is the end goal here? Because like, I don't know that I want, like, I don't want to be a billionaire. I know that because it seems like every single person who's gotten to that status has had to 
uh, be morally corrupt to get there. So like, what is it that I'm looking for to get out of this business? And I love that you say like, you know, you put people over everything else, people over profits, people over every other aspect. And it shows not just with the way that you treat the customer, but the way that you live your own life. Like you said, like being able to prioritize time with your family and things like that and still run a successful business. I think a lot of people um, don't go into it with that focus on balance. Um, and at, at a certain point you have to like make those decisions and say like, Hey, what is, what is really going to be the most important here, thing here? Because at the end of the day, like just money, it, it, to me, it's really obvious when a company is out for just money. Um, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of those in America and I think a lot of people are kind of over it. Um, we've, you know, we've, we've done that. Um, and I love that you pointed out that like, not everything is for everyone because that's so important. I just feel like, you know, there's, there's really something to be said about like going with a very specific market and saying like, it's okay that not everyone is going to be for this product or this service because people are different. So why would something like nothing is going to be one size fits all, you know, for me personally, I'm going to go more for a brand like yours because the way that you talked about how, you know, you wanted something that you could feed your nieces safely and like not worry about it. That's what I want. You know what I mean? Like I have my nieces too. And like, I worry about what they put in their body. And especially if I'm, you know, if I'm watching them for the moment, I want to have snacks that are safe for them and not going to make them sick and, you know, things like that. Um, So I I feel like that's just such, such an important thing to value. And I also love that you say being black is an asset because it is. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, in business, um, you know, go into the market worried about the way that that could affect them in a negative way. I know that like as a branding expert, I've worked with, uh, a lot of business owners, unfortunately, black women who have said things like, you know, I'm nervous about my clients finding out that I'm black. I had one who literally refused to let me put her on the website. She was like, I don't want to be on the website. I don't want to be the face of the brand because I don't want people to know I'm black. And then they're not going to want to, you know, she was a baker. Like they're not going to want to like buy my stuff if they know I'm black. So I feel like, you know, pointing that out, that being black is an asset, you do have a unique vantage point. Like we have different life experiences. And I think that also being black, it almost kind of opens us up to other life experiences as well, because we know that we don't have that, um, you know, white experience that is seen so often like TV and media or whatever. So it makes us more aware that there's other people with different experiences that we want to seek out and learn about those as well. And it makes it easier for us to speak to those communities as well, as well as speaking to our own, obviously easier um, than a white person could. So it is an asset. And I do feel like, you know, we're seeing that now more with larger companies that don't have any black people or people of color on their team. And they put out these like statements or whatever. And then you're like, you look at it and you're like, okay, literally nobody of color is in that workroom. Google sweet, sweet. Like it it just comes across like tone deaf and really obvious. So I'm glad that we're making that shift and saying, you know, Hey, actually being black is an asset. And you know, if you're in the boardroom, it's like, you're lucky to have me here. If you're at the head of a company, you know, and you're leading that company, it's an asset to be able to have that different, you know, life experience and that different vantage point. So I really love that. I thousand percent. Amazing. <laughs> um, I also can't hide the fact my name is Shaniqua. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. there's not much hiding that. Um, I just go by major because of the military background family and everybody goes by their last name. 
Uh, but I feel that. Yeah, I mean, being there's no hiding. People are like, so what's that about? <laughs> and people are like, <laughs> literally are like, what are your siblings' name? Like, people are just so interested when you have a name that is different, you know? Um, in- yeah, I love it though. Yeah, I think it's very, very, very important that um, you know, black people, people of um, Latin descent, Asian. You know, I I love it when people. Um, are unapologetic about wherever they're from or whoever they are, you know? So that's why you'll find like, even in the corporate world or agency world that I've been in for all this time, it took me a little minute when I first got into my career, but I transitioned to becoming natural um, when I started my career. So I had to have like the whole conversation with my employer about like, Hey, so my hair looks like this right now, but in a couple of weeks, it's going to start looking like this, you know? And thankfully, I had an employer at the time, and she was like, I love it. This is going to be great, you know? Meanwhile, I'm freaking out inside um, because of all the things that we have to deal with, you know, just as, like, women of color as it relates to our hair. But even I think that, you know, like, you, as, as a woman of any type, I even hear white women who are, you know, often criticized because their hair is curly, you know, and they feel the need to straighten their hair. Now I think we're finally getting to a space where people aren't being judged based on if your hair is curly or kinky or if you want to wear your hair straight, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. So I I fully embrace it. And this is for like any entrepreneur or somebody still at work. I tell them, of course, like within reason, like, you know, what is like a quote unquote appropriate for your workplace, but I mean, one week at work, I'll have braids. The next week, I'll have a wig on. The next week, I'll have my afro. I mean, I'm just living life. (laughs) So if they just take me how I am, and I do have those concerns sometimes as as a woman of color that um, I have to continuously, like, put that fire out quickly because I have had those thoughts. Like, hey, I wonder if this client feels like they're being – they're at a disadvantage because I'm the one that's leaving their account. You know, they feel like maybe that things would be different if I were white or if I were anything but who I actually am. And um, by me changing the narrative in my own head about, you know, that that I am an asset, I have to take that into every part of my business. And that's why I don't mind putting my face out there anytime when it comes to majors project prop because I mean, I'm the owner, right? Like, I can't, I can't shy. I'm not going to shy away from that because they're really like, what is the story, right? Just good popcorn. Like, that doesn't, that's not going to stick. You know, I want to give people um, the truth behind who they're purchasing from because that's what we care about these days, right? Is who, who are the people behind the curtain that I'm actually giving my money to? I want to know them, understand them, and I'd like to like them if I'm going to give them, you know, my heart and cash. Same. And for me, the more I know about a person uh, and the more I like about them, the more likely I am to shop there because I'm hardcore about, you know, who I spend money with. Like I really try to be because I feel like that's in a lot of ways, that's one of the easiest ways that we can like just like practice being good people because we all have to Mm -hmm. buy stuff like, you know, because we live in a capitalist society. So we got to buy stuff for different reasons. And if we can, you know, take the time to be like, oh, okay. Especially again, when companies make it easy, when they, when they don't hide, when they put it out there, it's like, okay, I know this person is, you know, a good person and these are their values. And like, this is what they stand for. Makes it so much easier to be like, okay, let me add that to my rotation of things that I buy. So 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. So what are some of your favorite tools right now that you are using in your business? Because we're really big on tools and systems and anything that can make us work smarter and not harder so that we can you know, yeah. work less balance. Well, I have to give a shout out to my husband because he is the master of all things tools and creating different um, processes. And I'm not great at any of that. <laughs> not when it comes to my business. When it comes to PR, I'm awesome because I've done it for so long. It's like clockwork, right? When it comes to my business, it becomes much more challenging for me. So now that I'm transitioning into full-time entrepreneurship, you know, my husband, he looked at me like, we got to get you organized. And um, so he recently set me up on Notion. I'm not sure if you're all familiar with it, but um, it's this really very, um, I think it can be as intricate or as simple as you'd like it to be. But he set up this whole system for me basically where I can look at like my week at a glance. So my, my, my Saturday or my Sunday through Saturday with all of my tasks, it allows me to see um, the orders or big orders that I have that are ahead. And he like organized it to show like um, how many backs have been popped, who the contact is. I've got different tabs for organizing, you know, like home projects. It's like literally my life on a screen. And that has been um, so helpful for me in the short two weeks that I've even been using it because, you know, with under his um, recommendation, he said, you need to look at it at least every night so you can see what's ahead for the next day and amend it and make updates. So um, I know that some people can get really big on like um, having like five or six different tools. My recommendation, if you're anything like me, just try to stick to one. Because if you try, if you can stick to that one and kind of master it, then you can add on some more. So for that particular tool, it's really helping me with um, just organizing my thoughts and my tasks, making sure that I'm meeting deadlines. And it's just a constant reminder for like the things that are ahead because I live in multiple worlds based on the work that I do. So I still, um, you know, I'm wrapping up my career at this agency. So I'll be, you know, jumping into full-time entrepreneurship, but I have like my freelance PR clients, I've got popcorn, you know, I'm a TT, I'm a wife, I'm all these things, right? So I have to find a way to organize my life or something will, a ball will be dropped somewhere or multiple balls. So if you want to try out Notion, they don't pay me at all. Um, I hope they do one day, but they don't right now. <laughs> uh, but I would highly recommend them, give them a try. And um, other than that, honestly, I am just a big uh, proponent of just getting um, getting whatever systems in play that work for you, right? So I am big with, like, I love, before I started using Notion, I just, just write everything down, right? So I would just open up the notes on my phone, and it would just be like, what do what I need to do today? And I'd write things down because I'm a little bit of a to-do lister. So if I write it all down, I knock it out. I'm good to go. Um, as far as like time management, if you have clients and you have to do like hours, I use a system called Harvest and I literally just go in there and I can add my clients and just track based on whatever the task is. So if I'm doing copywriting, if I'm researching, if I'm pitching media, um, if I'm on client calls, I can organize it based on those things and um, add the time in and then it just prints out these really nice and neat reports. Uh, but those are like some of the key things that I use right now. I, I like to keep it simple because again, if I do too many things, I'm I'm not gonna do it. 
I'll quit on something like that, like a, like a tool, really fast before I've even really maximized it. So now that I'm entering this new season, I'm trying to acclimate myself to kind of holding on to some of these best practices until I make them more habit, make more some habits for me. No, those are really, Notion is so big right now and everyone is using, and I'm about to stick my head in because I've heard such good things about it. And oh, good. Yeah, up. let me know how you like it. Yeah, yeah it's very, um, I like it because when you, I can open it up and just look at like everything that's going on. And when my husband first showed me, I was like, whoa, this is intense. <laughs> I got to fill all this out. But now that I have been doing it every day for about two weeks now, and you can design it so you can like pull in like photos from Unsplash, upload photos to customize it, make it look very so your own. It um, it gives you a very customizable feel, and it's not like a an agenda or a notebook that you you know sometimes might leave in your car or leave at home when you're going out to a meeting. You can pull this up you know on the app on your phone or on your desktop or wherever, and you know always have it with you. So I I, I love it. Yeah, I've heard it's, it's so. Uh, there's another software called Airtable that was similar, but I, I think Airtable was very complicated. And so I think the yeah. creators of Notion came through and said, "Hey, we need to really." The new demographic is people who don't have; they're not in STEM, they don't have STEM backgrounds, they're not in programmers, and so a lot of the right. management software is for programming teams. And I feel like, or you know, so I feel like Notion is kind of like the entrepreneurs, everyday person entrepreneur tool. So. Well, you've got to be like a project manager, right? right. Like a true project manager to understand. I'm like, I can't do some of the stuff I've had to do at work. I won't call out any systems in particular, but I'm just like, this is not for me. There's <laughs> <laughs> too many steps. I missed that alert. I don't know what happened. Not good. And with Notion, I can also, um, you know, just chat with, with my husband as well. So if I have a question or just want yeah. to say, hey, you know, you can do all that within it. So, highly recommend it. No, I definitely, I'm the the systems person of my, my husband and I own an agency together. So, be I'm the systems person there, but we definitely use systems to talk. And I feel like it's nice to hear somebody else say they, they use their systems to talk to each other about business things because I'm yes. like, people, we slack each other. Everybody's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, it's the business. Like, it's not, it has nothing to do with our personal stuff. So, it's going in the system. So, right. So, we can keep track of it later. I feel you on that. So uh, women of color are really a very small margin in the food product business. And like you said, a lot of the, first of all, I think independent small owned businesses are a really small portion anyway. It's all big business, all the big Frito-Lays, et cetera, those people. And so when you get down to those smaller businesses that are owning these newer brands that are coming up, they're usually not funded. They're not owned by people of color, women of color, especially. They're definitely funded by people who have a little bit more money to get into the space because it is kind of a little cost expense you know to get the equipment and then kind of the branding like you said and the website and everything so you kind of need a team a lot of times to get started um so mm-hmm. what are some reasons why you think that women of color have a hard time outside of some of those things and maybe expand on your experience of getting into the food product space wait i just want to make sure i heard you correctly you said why is it that women might have a hard time getting into the space yeah yeah just like women of color why is it that difficult for to start a food product business as a woman of color well, I'll tell you just as like a person, this industry is very tricky. So my best friend and I, she owns, um, she owns a lemonade company and we talk all the time. Like 
we need to create like an e-course or a book or something because you will spend hours, okay, trying to figure out one thing because there's not a place that just houses information when you want to start a business. So if you think about it, like if you wanted to start like a food truck, there's probably some course out there, right, or something on the internet somebody's made. But when you want to start a food business, like there's information, but it just varies so much by your state, by the type of food you produce, there's different laws. So it can be really easy to just say like, forget it, because I could just do something that's a lot more simple and not have to deal with all of this work. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing, right? It's just, there's not, there's not a place to access um, wisdom in one spot you've got to really hunt for it and it's really easy to make a mistake not because you want to but just because you just don't know right so you don't know what you don't know and if you are in a space where you're you don't really know people that are doing it or you might be very young and whatever you're starting you know you might not want to go to the mass bakery down the block and ask them because they probably won't be honest with you right because they might look at you as a threat to their business because of their status so i would just say that um one of the biggest things outside of funding and all those like very necessary things is just the lack of information that is readily available for people to have an idea actually be able to put it on paper and then be able to start to execute um so that's one thing of course, um, funding is huge, but I'll tell you, like, I am a big advocate for, like, keeping your day job, you know? Like, you don't have to just quit your job because you've got this great dream or even when you start to become successful. If, if that day job still um, gives you the space and time to work and be great, make money, and fund your, you know, your dream or your side business, then I completely advocate for that um, but when people jump ship too early and they don't have you know money set aside or some sort of longevity I mean it can make it really hard for you because you can I mean something could be awesome but if you're not making money for months it's kind of like ah, I can't really keep this up you know so um, I would say that's another thing and um, lack of community is huge so thankfully I because I'm in the food and beverage space on both sides of my world, I always get to deal with people who are in food, right? And it's very interesting and fulfilling conversations in a similar way that, like, we might have if we were talking shop about, like, agency life and client relations and stuff like that. Like, we could probably go on and on and on. Well, when you are starting something new, especially in the food business, and you don't have any community, it's kind of like, who do you run to? Right? It's like nobody in my life really understands me. They don't know what the heck I'm talking about. They don't feel the pain that I deal with when I like I'm on my feet for 15 hours doing a project and I'm exhausted. Like nobody really understands that struggle. So when you don't have, you know, the information, the funding or the community, it's really easy to not really explore uh, or stay in something long term because you don't really have those essentials to keep going. So I always advocate for like people to find those kind of master and try to find those three things. And sometimes that requires vulnerability, especially with community. You can't act like you know everything, right? And actually have community. You've got to be like, girl, <laughs> I'm struggling right now. I need help. And be willing to receive help from people 
and then, you know, be a support for them when they need that as well. So um, I would say those are probably three big reasons why women of color aren't successful because it's not that we lack the skills. I know many women of color who can, you know, cook and make the most amazing things and come up with the most inventive ideas. But when you lack um, even one of those three things, I think it can become a bit more challenging to sustain. Yeah, I mean, that is spot on, I think. And I like that you said keeping your day job, because I do think there is a lot of, I think LLC Twitter, as we call it, <laughs> tends yes. to, to be very problematic in telling people, like, you all can be entrepreneurs, and you all need to quit your job, and you all need to do this. Nah. Like, um, blocks, you need to yeah. pay your bills. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And speaking of community, um, I love the community in Orlando. I was born and raised there, living in D.C. now, but Orlando will always have my heart, and I feel like there is a really strong community there for entrepreneurs um, and for black entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of color and for women entrepreneurs. Like there's so many small businesses that are flourishing there. Um, and yeah, I feel like everyone's really great at kind of like supporting each other, getting the word out when a new business opens up. Um, like you guys said, like you met at a community event, you know what I mean? So I really feel like community is so big in Orlando. So what have you learned about community while living in Orlando? Ooh, um, you get out of it what you put in, you know? So I have been so fortunate to be a part of like so many different subsets, right? So some of my community groups collide, some of them don't. But um, I am, of course, Buttermilk Bakery, which it's so funny when you said that we haven't gotten together. It feels like I haven't seen the inside of buttermilk or any of those women in years. <laughs> it was like that much, that, that long ago, even though I know it probably was just maybe a year or so ago. But, um, you know, I have friends and I'll just like name drop for a second, like Dana Marie, uh, the dinner party project. She's one of my best friends and, you know, connecting with her however many years ago, she has such a rich community based on, the business that she has mm -hmm. when you connect with somebody like her all of a sudden you meet like a thousand different people and it's like oh how do you know that person dana you know how do you know dana it's like she's a connector of people by nature of her business which is all about bringing people together on a dinner table to have like one of the unique experiences so sometimes it's like um plugging into some groups where you've got a lot of entrepreneurs and some might be really successful. Some are struggling. You've got like, you know, that nice spectrum, right, to work with. Uh, I think that it can really benefit you. And it has benefited me because I've been able to um, just tap into different groups and um, really like lead with like a certain level of honesty that I might not have if I were maybe in another city where you always have to be on, right? Like, you gotta look the part, you gotta drive the right car, you gotta have the right house, you gotta do all these, have all these things in order to be in, in the in crowd. And I think the in crowd in Orlando, truthfully in the, in the spaces that I'm in, are the people that are real, that I've dealt with highs and lows of business, but continue to stick it out, and they really, really cherish and honor um, that either that family life or that community life, more so than just making it really big. Um, I think there are a handful of businesses in Orlando that are based here, but nobody ever sees the owners. 
ever. They're like, these people are huge. Like they, you know, their, their companies are out of Orlando, but we never see them at events. We don't really know them personally. And I mean, everybody has a right to do whatever they want to do. But I think there's something really special about getting in community with um, other people who are in similar lanes, completely different lanes as far as like the level of experience in business. Because for me, that that's really what's given me the strength to continue. I've had some really, really big, big, big opportunities come to my desk. And had it not been for a small group of women one night during the pandemic where we got together and, you know, they said, like, Major, you've got to do this. And I'm like, can I? And they're like, you can. And I did it, you know. So um, I think community is, is, is key. So wherever you live, whether you're – you know, in the north and south, wherever, finding community and that community could just be two friends, right? That kind of holds you accountable. To me, that is crucial because without people and without accountability, I mean, unless you've got this very, very, very go-getter mentality where you don't need anyone or anything, you probably won't get half of the things you want to get done just because, you know, no one's either cheering you on or saying, hey, where, where are you with that project? So community is huge for me. No, yeah, I think Orlando, I feel like Orlando and, and Dallas and Austin and Charlotte and all these kind of smaller southern towns, like Atlanta's a little bit bigger, so I won't count them in that space, but Nashville, Chattanooga, those places, these places, all kind of give me the same feeling of community. Columbus, Georgia is one as well, where we're like the people who are trying to make it work based on the hometown really believe in the city, even when the city doesn't believe in them, and really show up for <laughs> each other and really do what we can to make sure that we can still have these things like we have good food in Orlando because of the people like Dana and other food you know entrepreneurs and bloggers who were who writing and trying to get good food here and then chefs got interested because it's cost of living a little cheaper and they started to bring food here that we normally could when I moved to Orlando it was all chains you know it was all I drive it was all chains it may be a small diner here and there and now we have such a diverse there's two Ethiopian food places. There was just one, you know, for 20 years, you know. So now we're just getting so many, a variety of different things. And I think it's all based on Let this Let me tell you how, community. like, offended I am when people are like, oh, like, you're in D.C. now. Like, are you so excited about the food? And I'm like, uh, excuse me, I had amazing food in Orlando, so I'm going to need you to sit down. Like, people don't understand that the food game, especially, like, for me as a vegetarian, is, like, hardcore amazing in Orlando. Like, we have a really... Yes good food situation and like it's not just me being biased because i grew up there like we're literally like on national lists and stuff like we literally like make lists where they're like you know like we'll be in like the top five for you know a lot of different things but i know we've made like a lot of vegetarian lists in the top five so like the food is good and like when i go home like i'm literally like i don't even go like if i'm staying with a friend or staying in a hotel i go to like eat food before i even like go to where I'm going to put my bags down. <laughs> like I literally go to Mills and like get some create and head up to like chicken Korean fries to get my vegan bowl before I even like put my bags down anywhere. Cause I'm like, I need this food in my life. Um, so yeah, the food is really great. And also I feel like the food is a bit more accessible in Orlando, the food situation, because like in a lot of, like you were saying, Angelica, like, you know, these bigger cities, like sometimes like going out to eat is expensive as all get out. Like, you know, right. just ordered from, um, a takeout place the other night that was really good. But like, when you really consider that we had like a meal for two people, 
Like we paid like 60 bucks for it and it would have probably been like 30 in Orlando. Um, so wow. it's not only like that the food is good and there's a lot of good quality and good tasting food, but it's also a lot more affordable than some of these like, you know, giant cities. So I, I really love that about, um, you know, the community there, because I think at the end of the day, like so many communities are based around food, you know? I agree 100%. I'm actually vegan, so I love being in Orlando. I never go hungry, I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. And um, when I travel, you know, I have to do some in-depth research to find out, like, what, where can I eat? What's going on? You know, what's in the city? And um, we're very progressive in that way, in a way that you don't find in other places. So, you know, if you've got any type of dietary restrictions, Orlando is a good place to be. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's harder in other cities. And here there's restaurants like, you know, like my husband's a teacher and at school, two of the teachers that he works with have given him like lists and they didn't, you know, ask ahead of time, which is totally fine. Um, but I'm a vegetarian, he's a pescatarian. And so we're going through these restaurants and we're like, okay, some of these are cool. And then others had literally not one vegetarian, let alone a vegan option, which to me was shocking because it's like, it's hard to go to Orlando and not find a place that at least has like an option. Um, right. a, like a lot of the places didn't. So it is something that I think that if you live in that area, you, you know, you learn to take for granted because a lot of other cities, it's not a given that you're going to have um, options on the menu for you outside of like, you know, like a garden salad, which is not what I'm trying to eat. So. Facts. Nobody wants a salad when we're going out to dinner. Right. Not like I'm that. Like, I need some <laughs> rice. I need like a variety of vegetables. Like I want flavor. I want spice. Like I want. Like I, I'm such a foodie. So you know, for me, like getting a, a side of fries or getting a garden salad has never been it for me. I'm like, no, thank you. Like I'd rather just eat at home at that point. Facts. I completely understand. So, Major, what tips do you have for people who are interested in getting into the food product business? And honestly, if you and your friend want to start a food, a food product like incubator, I feel like you guys should because it sounds like your knowledge yes. between the two of you. We, we thought about it. it. We just need help trying to figure out how to get it off the ground. It's another thing, right? Um, no. Well... What advice? Man. All right. So I always tell people, you got to get a resolve. Why am I doing this? You know, and be honest with yourself. Is it because you want money? If it is cool, that's, I mean, everybody's different, right? So I don't, everybody's not going to be this very like mission focused, purpose driven company. Some people just want to make, want to make money. I get it. But figure out why you're doing this and get a resolve that like, Hey, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to fail sometimes. Sales are going to be slow. You're not always going to be on the mountain. There's going to be valleys and all types of things that you deal with. But if you get a resolve, you'll at least be able to like withstand some of like these storms that come in when you own a business, but it doesn't always feel good, you know, because what you'll find, and I have found this out big time in the last 12 months is sometimes the most successful moments are the hardest ones. Because they make you, you have to grow. You know, if I, like um, last year, and even this year, I've gotten some really, really big orders, right? And they require a lot of major power, not manpower, major power, right? So, like, I've got to be up, my back hurts, my feet hurt, I'm tired. It's all this stuff. And when I tell people, like, oh, yeah, so-and-so just ordered, I'm like, whoa, 
I'm looking at this email like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to sleep. This is about to be wild. But it's still, it's a good thing. But I, my resolve is what kept me to say, hey, all right, you signed up for this. You let these people give you a down payment and you better get to work. Um, another thing is you really want to get community around you. I would not be where I am right now had I not had a group of friends around me that are still with me today that kept me through some of the darkest seasons of my life, which occurred in 2020. So, you know, we had the pandemic. You've got social and racial injustice at the forefront. You've got us working from home and so much uncertainty and stress and everything else. I mean, I had some deep, dark hours, right? So without those friends being able to be there to pull me out of those pits and like kind of slap me around and say like major, yes, the world is on fire, but look at, look at what you have. Like this is your moment to like to take and run with because you are finally being seen in the way that, you know, you've worked for so long to get the time is now like, let's take advantage of this. It was their perspective that really should really help keep my head on straight because I felt guilty every time I got a media placement or every time I got um, an order because I felt like everybody else is struggling. I, I dare not talk about, you know, what good is going on in my life, but it was that community that really helped me um, find, take, a, take a new look at things and get a fresh perspective. Um, and then I always tell people, don't think you've got to spend a lot of money to get started. So, you know, I created my first business cards, I did my logo, I had a homegirl create my bags for me. I made my website. I still do my manage my website. Do I recommend you do all that later on in business? No, but I think that people sometimes have this idea that um, you're not really in business if you've got to do anything for yourself. And I don't think that's true. So I always tell people do as much as you can on your own before you start to outsource because you'll learn how these things work. Like if I never ever created my own website. I would be paying somebody thousands of dollars, not even understanding what they are doing. You know, like how much time are they spending? How challenging is it to actually amend copy or add a new photo? Like I wouldn't understand any of that. So don't be afraid to kind of like get your hands dirty in a lot of areas that you aren't comfortable with, because then when it is time to outsource and hire people, you'll understand their value because you'll know that that's not something, that's not something I want to do anymore. So I'm paying you for it. So thank you for taking it off my plate. So you'll value them but you'll also have a better perspective on um, what they're doing so you don't get played, right? And somebody's telling you, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this for you for $8,000. And really, it is not an $8,000 project. You just don't know because you never took the time to learn. So, um, yeah, I would say those are three big things that I always tell people. So just to recap, it would be to get a resolve, get a community around you, and then third, you know, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, learn new things, be extremely uncomfortable so that when the time does come where you can, you know, kind of free yourself from some of those tasks, you know, you, you already know what needs to be done to train people or give their work away to somebody else. Yeah. I'm going to like interject because I know you're, t you're humble, but <laughs> Major won't talk about her HBO situation, <laughs> which I, I'm going to ask you to expand on that a little bit because I follow you on Instagram, but I was on Instagram stories and all these celebrities and, and like influencers that I follow are eating Project Pop and they're like, what oh, is so cool. this world? 
And I'm like, what is happening? Why? Are and I mean, it was not just like, it was like three or four people back to back were like, they got the box. And I forgot which film it was for, so you're going to have to explain it. But I just, I think I was like, yeah. oh, seeing you in the homes of people who are like, I was like, oh my goodness, what is she? And then I go to your Instagram and you're like, it's just a day. <laughs> I'm like, girl, you need to get from the rooftop. So, you want to so, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, um, last year was a, literally like a, just a, a whirlwind. I'm still in it some capacity, but this story came out on um, Veg Out, which is like a vegan um, outlet. They ran like 11 black owned businesses to follow, like amid, you know, like the height of the summer. And my whole world changed from there. So like since then, and it's weird as a publicist, I've never really pitched my business because I knew with pitching come placements and that would be orders that I wouldn't be able to fulfill because I didn't have time. Well, last year I didn't get that choice. The placements came and I had like thousands of orders in like hours. It was crazy. So um, from there, and I, I and again, like you said, I am very humble. I don't say things to brag at all. So when I say all this, it's not to flex in any capacity. It's just to kind of share how things can just happen so quickly. But you know, May of last year, I had a couple orders. Everything was Gucci. You know, we were going through the pandemic. June, whole life change. Got one media placement. Next thing you know, we're in veg out. You know, I'm featuring Essence again. I'm in country living. Cosmopolitan, Esquire, I mean, you name it, somehow the brand is in there. I'm not reaching out to anybody. They're just writing about me. Um, and then we started getting orders from like big production studios. So we did um, the box for Antebellum with Lionsgate for that film premiere. I did a film premiere box with Amazon, which was my first one. I can't remember the film name right now. But um, we did a film with them. Uh, I was a part of Jingle Jangle for Netflix, that big film that came out in the Christmas season. So they that picked. That is my jam. Like, and yeah. done with me because I spent all every single time I came <laughs> on this podcast in December. I Talking really about Jingle Jangle. <laughs> it's such a cute film. But, um, so good. Instant classic. Yes, I, I 100% agree. So Beyonce, I don't know if she's Beyonce, it's like head stylist or one of her stylists, but. Um, her stylist, she hand-selected, uh, I think it was maybe like 30 brands. Um, for She launched a business called Black Owned Everything. And she picked 30 brands um, to be a, to partner with Netflix to have this whole like website. I don't even know if it's still up. I'll, I need to check one day. I'll check right now. But it was really cool. And um, so they hand-selected 30 brands. And I was one of the 30 was on the website um and it was really cool because it was like the jingle jingle shop so like the official side of the movie um which was crazy um i had a couple of things that i still can't talk about that happened last year i don't know when i'm ever actually able to talk about them and um then i started getting calls from like google uh, i work with netflix now on a regular basis and it's just insane like i'll say that like i get i've worked with um calm app for team events for them. I, I just gotten the most like insane calls and emails that when they come through, I just have to like screenshot them and send them to my friends and let them get excited for me. Cause I look at them and I'm like, Oh my God, what is going on in my world? Um, 
it's something else that's coming up. I don't know if it's going to happen or if I'm going to do it, but if I do, I'll let you girls know. But um, it's probably one of the biggest things that's probably ever happened to me in my life. So, um, yeah, it was literally just out of all of this, just birthed out of me just saying yes, continuously saying yes, right? Saying yes to the right things, no to other things, understanding my bandwidth. I've had to turn down, like, I almost turned down, like, one of the biggest, biggest, biggest companies we all use every day because I had so many other orders. I just had to tell her, like, I, I can't do it. Like, I can't. And a company like that is not used to somebody telling them no. They're used to people figuring it out. And um, eventually we figured it out because I got a little bit of flexibility from them. But that was – I had to take a step back and ask Major – in this moment, you are the people over profit. <laughs> Your health is more important than the money. So if they can't figure out how to make it work, you can't kill yourself over popcorn. You know, like it's just, it's not that serious. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are some of the things that have happened that have just blown my mind. And um, I'm just, I'm grateful, I'm honored. I don't know if 2020, will, that ride that I experienced will ever happen again. And it might repeat itself all over again this year. But even if it never happens again, it was it was so cool. And it gives me something just to be so content and grateful for that whatever is ahead, I'm just excited and, and you know, I'm, I'm thankful for it already. That's so amazing. I freaking love that for you. And I also feel like that needs to be a chapter of this like masterclass that you and your friend are going to teach because I do feel like if you kind of like you said, like, you weren't seeking it out because you were like, you knew that it was going to make things, uh, you know, difficult basically. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is such a question for me because like, it's like I started a product based business last year selling candles and I cannot imagine what would happen if I had like, <laughs> a thousand orders come in at once. I don't know what I would do. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, like obviously like having Angelica as one of my best friends means that I have a lot of systems in my life. So I guess what I would do is rely on those systems and have to pull a whole bunch of people in to help and, and use yep. the systems that are in place. But it's scary to think about, even though it's, obviously it's a, an amazing thing, but I can see how you were like, oh my gosh, because that's, you know, when you, when your orders are going to be, you know, doubled or tripled or quadrupled or even more, it's like, that is a very different day-to-day -day practice. While still having a day job. Yeah, I don't know so. I did it. <laughs> I'm saying if 2020 never happens again, I won't be mad, but I'll be in a different place, right? So now here we are almost a year later from when we started the pandemic, well, a year later now from when the pandemic started and now I'm finally in a position, you know, that I'm able to uh, project, you know, at least kind of what orders are going to be, right? When you have a business, a product business, you can't guarantee you have slow months, right? It's just what it is. So it's not always popping, you know, it's like sometimes it's really slow. Like, oh, I'm going to get any orders this week, but then a bulk order will come in. It's like, okay, cool. We're fine. Mm -hmm. So um, between that and then freelance PR, and the amazing support of my very talented husband, you know, his business is thriving. So, you know, being able to have a partner to be able to say, all right, cool, we're going to lean into this thing, right? And see what's going to happen. And we all, I always look at him and just say, I guess if, if everything fails, I can always get a job at an agency again. <laughs> you know, like that's the fallback. So I can always go back to work. So, you know, give your dream a shot, but keep your day job as as long as you can. 
if you can. So you're coming off uh, of like what was an amazing year for your business, which is honestly great to hear because obviously like, you know, 2020 was not the best for everybody. Um, So it is really important, I feel like, for, you know, these stories to be shared about like some brighter moments and some happier moments that happen because it really uplifts us all. That's again, that's one of the things I love about community is like when one person wins, like we feel like we all won. You know what I mean? Um, So going forward into the future, what are your plans with Project Pop and how can our listeners support you going forward? Ooh, my plans. I'm figuring that out right now. So, um, you know, now that I'm transitioning into full-time entrepreneurship with popcorn and PR, I have more time um, to to dream and do more. But I have a subscription, which I call a snack subscription, launching soon. So people can, of course, just like any other brand where you sign up and just get a letter straight to your door. So we sell out often um, because of for bandwidth purposes. You know, we can't take on every single order. But when people sign up for the snack subscription, they'll at least be able to confirm you're going to get your popcorn every month. I love our water. Um, we're also rolling out a new summer flavor, which I'm really excited about. I just landed on that last week. So I'm getting the packaging done for that. And... Um, what else? Oh, well, if you're in Orlando, I am planning to do a couple of pop-ups in the summertime and spring, which I haven't done anything because of the pandemic, but um, I want to see people, you know, a little bit more. I've been like very much so uh, a very big e-commerce company for the past year, and I haven't really been able to really engage with Orlando in the way that I would like to. So I'm going to do some events starting next month for Mother's Day. And um, they can follow us on Eat Project, well, on Instagram at Eat Project Pop. And you can check out our website, eatprojectpop.com. And that's probably the best way to find us and to order and check it out. I'm excited to see you. So I'm definitely going to be out and about in the streets trying to. Yeah, let us know when, like, when you're going to do your shops and stuff. And we will definitely cross promote on the podcast. And. Oh, thank you. I will definitely be there because when I'm when I'm in town, I'm already fully vaccinated. I'm ready to go do all the things. Like (laughs) she's ready to live. Yes, I I, I used to be like inside. I'm an extreme introvert, and and Joe like would yell at me at least once a week. And my husband, they'd be like, "Go outside, like you're turning into a vampire." (laughs) But let me tell you, this has really changed my perception of just like fresh air, honestly. Yes. Um, So I'm ready to go outside and breathe some fresh air and see people i am ready so yes we will, we will love to be at these events supporting you for sure oh i appreciate it yeah i'm really excited to to get back out there i have more free time right so when you talk about what's next i, I think some people might say like you know i should probably have it all together right now figuring out like what's next with the business all these things but i really am leaning into this um the beauty of of uncertainty because that means that I can be creative and kind of like, what is my life now? How do I want to, how do I want to live? What do my Mondays look like? What do my Tuesdays look like? When is my weekend? You know, I get to figure all that out now that I'm transitioning out of, you know, whether like 8.30 to whatever time at night on um, employment. So um, I really look forward to that and I'm going to kind of, you know, ease myself into it as to not put, in, put so much pressure on myself because, you know, we don't need that extra pressure right now these days. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely love that. Like designing your day the way you want. And, you know, if anything, this last year has shown us like 
it's so important to make sure that we're, you know, living each day in a way that just makes us happy. Thousand percent. Yes. Happiness and joy and peace are like, they reign supreme in my life these days. Like more than money, more than status, all of that. Like I, I want to enjoy time with my family, have peace in my home, be happy with my life, you know, and just be able to be healthy. Like all that, all the other stuff is just like, it's just icing for me. Business success is icing, you know, big orders, all that. It's like, I, as long as I'm, I'm happy with my home, happy with my marriage, you know, the stuff that really like can truly rock your world, the business can close and you can start a new one. You know, you can't uh, create a, a life if you die. You know what I mean? Like you're gone. So we've got to cherish those things that are really, really, really precious that are so hard to replace and kind of hold everything else with like a slightly open hand because pandemic showed that like whole businesses and industries can be wiped away in seconds, right? And if you if you put all your eggs in that basket and never spread your time and attention elsewhere, you know, you can find yourself in a really deep dark place. And I just don't advocate for that. Oh, thank you for coming by and dropping gems and like educating the people and getting us to know more about Project Pop and yourself. And now that you have you know, yes. full-time entrepreneurship on your time. You're, you're kind of part of the brand, and I'm sure we'll be seeing more of you as you continue to grow and soar. So thank you so much, man. Absolutely. Thank you all so much. It was a pleasure. Take care, people.